You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're doing what I think, I mean, I don't know if you would agree, but I think it's kind of a fun little short series going into Christmas where we're, we're taking, each week, we're taking a Christmas song, and if you're paying attention there, you probably have a guess where this one's going to be, and like a, a Christmas hymn, and, um, you know, maybe getting a little bit of the backstory on that, but um, to be clear, we don't think that Christmas songs are the Bible, that they're scripture, um, they're helpful and can, can point you to God in, in beautiful ways, we think. But, um, but we think that, you know, the scripture that, that inspired some of these songs are the things that we want to dive into. So uh, o, Come, o Come Emmanuel is a really interesting song, and it strikes a different note, I would say, than what we did last week. So last week we did Joy to the World, and, you know, it's this incredible celebration inspired from Psalm 98 in the Old Testament, and the music is upbeat, hopeful, um, expectant, I would say. And I don't think that's a wrong note for Christmas. I think, I think it's one of the notes that needs to be hit. Uh, for Christmas that talks about the celebration, the coming of Jesus and the hope of all things being made right um, in the, in, at whatever point in the future, whenever Jesus returns, when things are made right. And I think that's a right note. Um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel hits a different note. Uh, it, I would say a little different than, uh, a little different than the, the, the celebration of joy to the world or rocking around the Christmas tree or whatever, uh, whatever kind of stuff that you might hear. Uh, so l- look at the first verse just to kind of set the tone here a little bit of the song. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and if you're like, I don't even know what any of that means so far, we're going to get there, because it's inspired from the scripture, the song is, it says, O ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appears. So you even get a sense of the song, and there's even a, immediately, you, you probably have sung this song, whether you've grown up in church or not, you've sung this song probably hundreds of times, you've heard it in your car while you're driving around, and um, we're going to get to this in a minute, but one of the ideas here is that uh, not only does the music match the tone of this, but there's like this almost yearning, uh, this yearning that in some ways right now where we all are is not terribly different than where Israel was a long, long time ago. And we're, we're, we're waiting and we're waiting, we're waiting with expectation. So um, I'm going to kind of unpack that a little bit uh, to give you a sense of the song that um, the best we can tell, the, the history is not as clear-cut as something like Joy to the World. We're like, Isaac Watts wrote it, here's when he wrote it, here's what he was thinking, and, and here's even the scripture that inspired it. This song has, um, I mean, there, there's actually no telling how old this song actually is. That um, we know that we saw it begin to surface in, in like English and German around 1850, and then the song has continued to evolve from there, extra verses. There's like a million verses to this song, if you ever type it in. There, there really are. You could, we spent all the rest of this morning singing all the verses to it. And it continued to evolve even over the last hundred years. But the tune, they think, is, I mean, probably, you know, 15th century France, like, and, it, and maybe before that. And it would have, um, it would have roots um, in, um, you know, like monastery type settings and, and kind of has that vibe, if you think about it, that it's almost a little bit of a dirge, especially when you compare it to Joy to the World and Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. And, um, but the, the whole idea here is, is again, that, that we are where Israel was 
and um, that, yes, Jesus has come, and that's a major difference from where Israel um, was, where they were looking for the Messiah to come, and, you know, captive Israel looking for, looking for the coming Messiah. But in some ways, we're still waiting. Yes, Jesus has come. And so if, you know, for Christians, this is really significant because um, that he lived and he died and was resurrected from the dead, and he's guaranteed salvation for all who believe and guaranteed life um, after this life and has done so many things. We have the Holy Spirit because of Jesus coming. So those are dramatic differences. But at the same time, our world's still a bit of a mess. And I'm not going to overdo this, but um, like there's some like global things, like outside of your life, if you were just to spend, you know, I mean, you're very aware of these things, so I won't belabor the point, but some like really broken parts of our world. I mean, it seems like there's wars all over the place. And just super sad situations of, um, you know, you'll, you'll read and hear, and even some of you have experienced stories of abuse and, um, you know, broken families, and, um, you know, there's, you know, terrible, violent crime, and, I mean, on and on. I mean, we could spend, I won't even go into all of the terrible things that exist in our world because you're already very aware of these things, but this is, like, on a global level, like, we're, like, when, how long, Lord, how long, how long are we going to experience some of these things? And the song hits that note, but on a personal level, in this room, there's been a lot of loss in here, and a lot of loss. I mean, there, there are people in this room that, um, that have, a, have had a significant loss even in the last few months, um, in the last couple of years. I mean, there are parents and siblings, children, grandparents, um, grandchildren that are all expressed in this room that have been lost and spouses, and um, there's, there's a, a hole that's there, and we've experienced that kind of mourning and that loss that there will be, uh, like, quite literally an empty chair at Thanksgiving that's going to be, I mean, at Christmas, that's just going to be so, so obvious, and we, we feel that, and, um, and so we've, we've had those kind of things. There's some of us that have marriages that are just kind of being held together with, um, you know, duct tape, bailing wire, I mean, are just barely, barely holding together. Um, some that have went through kind of messy divorces in the last couple of years. Um, we've, we've got people with, um, with pretty serious diseases. I mean, I've got a, a pastor friend that this morning, I'm getting up talking about Ocom Emmanuel, and he's going to be telling his church he's got cancer today. And so, I mean, that, that's the deal, all right? So I don't feel like I even need to build on that anymore. I don't know what those things would be for you. Some of you are like, man, it's actually good. I'm not going through any, like, really hard times right now. But there's some of us today that you came into this room like trailing smoke. I mean, like you came in here and you're, you're just barely getting into this place. Life has been really hard for you. You're trying to put things back together. You're trying to put one foot in front of the other. And this is what I love so much about the Bible, one, uh, but two, even the song, is that joy to the world and the expectant hope of like heaven and Jesus coming, that is a great note to sing of celebration, but it's also the right note to say, man, life is hard. And in some ways, I'm like captive Israel that's waiting on the Son of God to appear and to help me and to help me get through this. And both of those things can be true at the same time. So what I want to do is, um, while we realize that we're waiting um, in similar ways to Israel, and that's really the whole idea behind like the Advent season, if you've ever heard of that term in more of the liturgical uh, church calendar, that's, that, that word just means waiting, and that's really what we're tapping into today. So um, let's go to Isaiah 7, which is what Johanna read just a moment ago. And that would be the scriptural roots. Again, we're not going to be like, I'm not going to be exegeting and unpacking and teaching a song as much as the scripture that inspired the song. And so this is Isaiah 7, and this is where the, the term Emmanuel comes from and even what it means. So uh, let's pick up in, in verse 10. 
And um, the, 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 what you have is you have a king named Ahaz here, and I'll explain some of the context as we read these first couple of verses. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He's a king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel. And it says, ask a sign of the Lord your God, and let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So ask anything you want, Ahaz, whatever you need. You know, if you need, need me to demonstrate myself. Uh, but Ahaz said... I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Okay, so let me kind of explain what's going on here. You're like, I don't know anything about Ahaz. I don't know anything about what's going on here. Well, that's what I'm about to tell you. So um, it's your lucky day. Uh, Ahaz is a king, and he's in a really tough spot because Israel found itself in this kind of a position quite often because it was in this really interesting crossroads, and I would say a strategic place of dirt uh, for you know what God would want to do in the whole world. And we even see as, as the news of Jesus began to spread, it's spread in a lot of different directions. So it's a crossroads, Israel is, between um, you have to the south, you have a a traditional power Egypt that's down below you. And, you know, you, you know, if you look back into the Old Testament, you can read lots of that. You can look in your history books and pharaohs. And, but, I mean, like, Egypt was a world power for, for a, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They dominated down south. And then above you, you would have, you would have other powers that would come to be. And uh, so things people like, um, right now, in, at this story here, it would be Assyria. And um, later, it would be the Babylonians. After that, it would be the Persians. After that, it would be the Greeks. After that, it would be the Romans. And, you know, they, they, they come in from this angle, and so they're, they're constantly facing pressure from north and south all the time. And then not to mention, it's not like you've got a bunch of buddies close to you. They would all the time, on the regular, be at war with, like, Philistine nations and, um, and um, Ammonites and all the, you know, Syrians and all, I mean, everything. I mean, they're, they're all right around there, and they're constantly fighting with them, but they're all facing a lot of pressure. And so the context of this is Ahaz is under the gun, and Assyria is the one that's breathing down their neck. And he's trying to figure out how to handle it. And what, what God has been saying to him is, hey, look, trust me. Just trust me for this. But, um, but and, and this is where you know, God comes to him right now and is saying, hey, look, you can trust me and not trust in your alliances and other things like that. Just trust me for Israel's protection. You're way outgunned here anyways. I mean, even your alliances, um, you probably shouldn't be trusting whatever deal that Assyria is putting in front of you right now. You should trust me for this. And so this is why our spiritual lives it's not just Israel, but um, this is for us too. Are not, I think a lot of us imagine our spiritual lives to be only a matter of what you believe. Is yeah, I need to believe some things about God and believe some things about heaven. And I would say, yes. I mean, belief is going to be the foundation for everything on you know, believing facts about who God is and believing facts about what Jesus came to do and who he is and the, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, the hope of heaven. We're believing some facts about that, facts about who God is and his nature. Yes to that. That's foundational. But it's not just about what you believe. It's also about what you trust. And that, that's like really what tells the tale. And so for Ahaz, it's are you going to trust God and his protection or are you going to trust your own ingenuity and alliances and try to cuddle up with Assyria in hopes that maybe you won't get toppled? Um, one last note before we move on on this that's really interesting. And um, I, th- I think this is also like really telling and, and you may see yourself in this is that he actually quotes uh, probably Deuteronomy 6.16 on um, whenever God says, hey, test me, just ask for anything, and I'll demonstrate, I'll flex right now. And, um, and, and uh, Ahaz, uh, no, 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 won't be necessary, quotes Deuteronomy 6, uh, which is, I will not put the Lord God to the test. 
It's like, I'm not going to test you, God. No, I'm not going to do that. And it seems like it's like a real act of humility and faith and trust, but it was totally a smokescreen because uh, really what he's saying here is that, like that, that verse is saying we, we should not ignore God's past faithfulness and make him constantly have to reprove himself. But, uh, but really the reality is he's already made up his mind. He's going to be trusting Assyria. Uh, he's going to try to make it a, a little bit of an alliance with them and see if that'll keep them from rolling over him, which, by the way, turns out really poorly because um, oftentimes the things that you tend to put your trust in end up killing you in the end, by the way. So um, he's, he's done that. You're like, this is like the worst Christmas sermon ever, man. Look, I'm just following, I'm just following the tone of the song, all right? So get off me for a minute. Um, and so he's, he's kind of hiding behind a really weird use of this verse, but God's saying, no, look, for real, just once you test me, like I, you can ask for anything and I'll, I'll flex, I'll demonstrate that um, I'll be good to you and I'll see you through in this. So, uh, so yeah, you know, and we, we also, if you're like, well, I haven't had to deal with any geopolitical, you know, challenges and stuff like that. But look, it's the same thing is that like for real, like when things go wrong, where's the first place that you tend to go when things get, you start to get pressed and that marriage wobbles, um, you face some financial pressure, um, you've got some struggles in your health, whatever, like you, you, you're afraid of something in the future, the future feels uncertain, the economy's wobbly, whatever, I mean, all, all that and more. But what's the first thing you do? Is your first inclination to turn to God in prayer and hope and trust and, and just offload that on him, ask for him things? Or is your first thing, you kind of erase the dry erase board and you start, all right, here's how we're going to fix it. Not that there's anything wrong with coming up with a plan. And I'm going to get smart people in a room and we're going to solve this thing. We're going to figure it out together. And through our money and through our smarts and through, uh, through our networks and the people that we know and our own, maybe, maybe our own sense of right and wrong, and we're going to lean and dip into those things and not that many of those things are good to dip into, but it's just interesting about what we trust in first. Like what, what's the thing of why everything's gonna be okay for you in the future with whatever you're going through right now? Is that answer, truthfully, like is your trust in that God will take care of me? God will deliver me. God is my only hope. Or is it, I mean, come on, man, look at the money in the bank account. We're gonna be fine. We're not, nothing can touch us, you know. Look at the people we know. I've got these social networks that even if I got fired from my job, I'd have a job in no time. Look at our health and look how we've kept up with our body and what, whatever. I mean, like, we have all these other things that are, like, maybe, like, number seven. Like, you've got your beliefs about heaven. Don't get me wrong. But, like, number seven down here is, oh, yeah, and probably if we run out of money and if I, I'm not able to work out and if people abandon me and if we can't come up with a good solution on the dry race board, well, I got God too, you know what I mean? And so, uh, but this is, this is the real question is not only what you believe, but what you trust. Verse 13, he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? So uh, this, this is just the, the question, like house of David. So by the way, the southern kingdom that Ahaz is a part of, these are the descendants of David that, that should be ruling like David ruled over the house of Israel. These were, you know, David would be the precursor. Ultimately, Jesus would trace his lineage back to David. These were supposed to be the rulers that would be after God's own heart, ruling in a way that would represent God's kindness, mercy, justice, all of that. And he's like, hey, you've worn out people. And now are we going to wear out God also? I mean, is that where we're going with this? And, and so, um, and this is really interesting because this begs a question is God has to be so whipped by now. I mean, I would be. I mean, I, I would be, like I think about me whenever I've had kids acting up or whatever, like repeatedly, 
I'd be like, just give me your phone. Just get, that's it. You know, just go to your, you're grounded for like seven weeks. I don't know, I even know. I'm tired of dealing with it. Like, what's God going to do at times like this? And is he, is he going to put them in timeout? Is he just going to move on? What's he going to do? And it's just really interesting that in, in light of just a faithless act with all of the piety, even quoting scripture back at God, that, uh, that what God's going to do here is say, okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Verse 14. So God's response to like faithless Ahaz, faithless Israel. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So you're not asking for a sign. You, I, you ask for anything, I'll send you a sign. Here, here's what I'm going to do. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name uh, shall be called Emmanuel. And uh, the word Emmanuel means God with us. And this is really important that um, it's, again, not just ideas, but this is saying that God is going to come near to Israel and come near to um, humanity. And so this fulfillment has layers to it. And this often happens in the Old Testament. Sometimes you'll be surprised by this. If you, I remember being thrown off by this for the first time. I started going back and looking at prophecies like this and, uh, and realizing that there would oftentimes be a more near-term fulfillment and sometimes another layer of fulfillment when Jesus would come, and then sometimes another layer of fulfillment on the new heavens and new earth, like whenever Jesus returns for a second time. So as an example of this, that if you were to read in chapter 8 of Isaiah, you would see that God sends, um, no lie, here's the name, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. All right, that's it. Um, try to say that like 27 times real quick. If you're worried about pulling it off, you can get kind of a in some of those things, and people will think you know Hebrew. So, uh, like the, the Hashbaz or something like that. And the people are like, oh, that's how you definitely pronounce it. It's all about confidence um, and the landing on that. So, um, but God does send, does send that guy. And there is like real limited fulfillment immediately of, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate that I, I see you and I'm near to you, like even in the short term, which I think is actually really encouraging because sometimes if you have a really simplistic view of prophetic fulfillment, you've got, you know, Israel living, you know, five, six hundred years before Jesus returns and he's going to make promises for hundreds of years later. And it's like, well, that sure does them a whole lot of good. Hey, don't worry. I don't know about Assyria. I don't know what to tell you about that. But, you know, hundreds of years from now, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm like, well, thanks a lot. Well, now what do we do? Um, and so, but the short term is, is he actually sees the people at that time and, and offers a sense of, of his care and provision and a, a, just a demonstration that he is with Israel through this person. Now, this person isn't God. This person doesn't dramatically change the situation, yet God's being kind and interacting with them at the time. But very clearly, this also has another layer of fulfillment, ultimately, uh, whenever, whenever we're talking about Emmanuel, especially when it talks about a virgin conceiving and bearing a son, and that his name is going to be God with us, and that there's going to be a woman. And we know, we know from our Christmas stories that that's the virgin is Mary, and that Jesus is the one that would come and be God with us. And I love that. So, you know, um, Israel and Ahaz trusted in the wrong things, and God's response to it is shocking. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to take away your phone. I'm not going to put you in timeout. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to personally come. I'm going to come to you, um, not just scream at you from heaven, 
Um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to come in human flesh and come near to you. And I think this is a really big deal because um, here's the thing, is that all of us are trusting things. That's been a theme for today. I just mentioned a lot of the things that maybe we trust in instead of God. Uh, not to mention that, that I think the nature of, of religion typically is I'm going to climb the ladder and I'm going to try to come get close to God by being really good, coming to church enough, reading the Bible enough, being really holy enough, and having enough good theology that if I, if I can get my life squared away enough, that maybe... Maybe, maybe I'll climb that ladder and get close to God. That's the basic impulse of pretty much every religion that we all know. But this is completely reversing all that and saying, look, you can trust me. And if, if you want to use the ladder analogy, God is going to come down the ladder. He's going to come near to you. And this is really big for me uh, because I have a friend. Named, uh, he led a ministry and still does um, called Leaders Collective. A guy named Elliot Grudem. And I participated in this cohort for two years with a group of pastors from really all over the country, like there's six of us, and we continue to meet now informally. But um, Elliot's a really interesting guy and probably one of the most thoughtful gift givers ever. Like uh, sometimes I feel like in spurts I can be, but most of the time I'm like, hey, here's a gift card. Um, Thanks for everything, um, Amy, and all that. And so, um, but he's a really thoughtful gift giver. And after spending two years with me, this is our last cohort, that he had a sense of like my struggles and challenges spiritually. And he, he gave me a gift of a song I'd never actually heard before. Um, and, I, and he got um, the woman that, uh, that wrote the song, Sandra McCracken, to actually handwrite the lyrics and gave it to me as a gift. In fact, throw this up here. I'll just read um, one portion of this. So um, here's the, the, um, like the part of the song that's written that's in my office. You're with me is the name of it. You're with me, you're for me. You've been behind me, you go before. You walk beside me through darkest valleys. I know you're with me. So here's the thing. Here's why Elliot gave that to me, is it is really hard for me to believe, really hard for me to believe. Here's how I can tend to operate. I can tend to operate like me and God have a business relationship. I'm going to do some things for you. I'm going to do some things in devotion to you. I'm going to you know, preach sermons. I'm going to lead a church. I've got a job to do, and I believe in that job. I believe in you. I've got marching orders. I'm going to march. And in the meantime, how I can experience God, this isn't on him. I'm talking about me, is I can imagine God being maybe at the top of that ladder, and I've got a work to do, and he's got commissioned me for work, uh, but it's hard for me to imagine Listen to this. Not Again, there's things we believe about him, but as I trust him, that he would actually be near to me and that that could be experienced, that, that he would come down that ladder. And listen to this. Whether you are actively thinking about, like right now you may be thinking about things in life. You may be just taking in a sermon passively. Going, okay, he's handling this okay. I wish he could have got in a little bit more to the history of the song, whatever. Um, but but the, the reality is whether you are actively experiencing him or not, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in his death and resurrection, that he goes before you, he's with you, he goes, he's been behind you, he goes before you, and he walks behind, beside us even in the darkest valley. So he's with you no matter, no matter what you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, that, that God would be, he's Emmanuel, he, he's near. And I think this is really, really encouraging. Um, I love the fact that, um, that God does not just leave us to have a business relationship with us, but he actually draws near. And that's the whole point of Christmas is that God's answer for our trust problem is like, well, 
I'm going to come and demonstrate. I'm going to demonstrate my trustworthiness to you, that I'm going to come near. I'm going to be close to you, even if you're not feeling it, even if, like the ultimate reality is not if you're feeling God's presence today or not. I'm telling you that if you're a follower of Christ, that God's presence is near. And if you're not a follower of Christ, this is an invitation to you that believe in Jesus, believe in his death, believe in his resurrection, that he is Emmanuel, he's God with us, that God's solution for you is not yelling at you, but he knows that you're going through hard things and his solution is he came near. He came near. He went before you. He stays, goes behind you. And I love that. Um, well, as we wrap this up, I'm going to read the last few verses of the song um, because I think that they hit a few other themes and um, we'll wrap up with a, a couple of these ideas. Okay. O come, thou rod of Jesse, uh, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer. Our spirits by thy, the advent here. Dispense the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. O come, desire of nations bind and won the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease and be thyself our king of peace. Um, these are start to touch on, like the Emmanuel theme is continued on here, but here, um, you know, these varied authors of this song over the years begin to pull from a bunch of different imagery from the Old Testament. Again, putting us in the place of Israel, that they're longing for the first coming of Jesus. But here, um, while God may feel a million miles away, uh, that we can trust him and he's actually come near, but we're even hoping that someday he's going to make it all right with the things that are hard for us to trust God in and the hard things that you're going through. So a few of these things, and I'll even use some of John Piper's language um, that he used for each of these phrases. So I'm just going to run down these real quick that came up in the song. So as Emmanuel, um, that's what we've been talking about today in Isaiah 7. This is God with us, that he comes near, he will pay the ransom ransom that only a God-man can pay. Um, as the rod of Jesse, um, this is Isaiah 11.1, 1, um, springing from a dead stump like a tree that had been cut off. Um, he will uh, free his people by, uh, by his death and resurrection from Satan's tyranny, make them free forever. Um, as the day spring, Luke 1.78, this is the dawn of God's kingdom. He will be the light of the world and banish um, hopelessness of darkness uh, forever. As the key of David, he rescues us from hell uh, because he comes from David's line and he locks the door behind us and he unlocks the door of heaven and brings us home. As the desire of nations, he will draw the ransomed from every nation, every people, every ethnicity, and he will make them a kingdom of peace. So here's the thing, uh, Redeemer, that I want you to know that um, it's not that we're not going to make plans. Yes, we're going to get on dry race boards and and solve problems. And yes, we're going to plan about our financial future. Yes, we're going to have networks of relationships. Um, we're going to work hard. We're going to do all this. But this is a call to trust God and uh, know that God isn't yelling at you from heaven, but his solution to all of our problems, our trust problem, our belief problem, all of it was he chose to come near. And this incredible hope uh, that I hope you'll remember um, this whole time at Christmas is that God's solution is that he, uh, he came near and he is God with us. So what I want us to do is just as an exercise before we um, sing and before we take um, from the Lord's table with communion is um, I just want you to reflect for a moment on these two questions. And we're gonna just, I'm gonna give you some moments to pray uh, about this uh, before we begin to sing. Is th It's really the same question, but I wanted to ask it different ways is I have no idea what you're going through. Some of you I do, but um, there's some people that maybe nobody knows what you're going through is what's hard for you right now. Another way to ask it would be, 
where is it hard for you to trust God? My sense of it is that it's the same question. Whatever is hard for you right now, those are the very things that are really hard to trust God. So if you're lonely, you just got jaded at God, going, well, here I am again, another lonely Christmas, or I'm single again, if you're wanting to be married, or um, here I am again, I'm struggling with, with this or that, or if you're sick, um, it's probably really hard to, God, you say you're good, but why won't you fix this? And whatever. But let's, let's spend some time. Um, why don't you just acknowledge what's hard for you to trust God with right now, whatever it's hard. And here's the thing. This note is a valid note to sing at Christmas along with joy to the world. So why don't you take that hard, hurtful thing and just bow your heads and why don't you lift that to the Lord and ask for help. Ask him to give you help to trust him with that. And then I'm going to pray in just a moment. Or is it hard for you to trust him? Just tell him. Ask for help. Father, I ask for those um, in here that are like really hurting right now, that they can hardly breathe, that there's grief and pain and loss, maybe challenges, that you, you would be um, the Emmanuel to them, the God who comes near, and that you would provide help for them, and that you would be kind to them, that they would experience you this way, and that there would be a deep sense of trust, even if for those that are like, ah, I, don't really, I don't really deal with a lot right now, that there'd be a deep sense of trust about our anxieties about the future, uh, about everything that would go along with faith, and even maybe new faith and new trust that would emerge from many in this room today. Lord, thank you that your answer to this was not yelling at us, but coming near. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his birth. Thank you for his death and resurrection. Thank you for the fact that he's coming again. And someday we'll make this all right. And we very much look forward to it. And even in the waiting, we plead and we ask for you to be our help. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.